Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome home. She left. She left for Omaha, everybody. I did. I am back from Omaha. Uh, and uh, two things happen very highly, highly related to this podcast. Um, although I feel like Brooke, my whole life is related to the podcast. Everywhere I go, everywhere I go, I talk to people. They talk to me. No, not really. But I did see an old coworker from Buca de Beppo that- at West Roads Mall. Um, my buddy Donnie, who I worked with 20 20- fucking years ago um has worked there for a long time i was like in the purse section because i like to you know get myself fancy purses in omaha that's my that's my bag baby pun intended yeah it's her kink um and then i like look across the way and like there's don and i was just like oh my god and we like hugged in the middle of the aisle and like it was great it was really really nice you both still had red sauce on you somehow i know i was like you smell like garlic he was like you smell like garlic (laughs) yeah it's just what are you gonna do it's just part of it you know it's kind of like instead of getting a tattoo with somebody where you work with you know that you know your lifers for doing that you just always have uh marinara stains all over your clothes for some reason 100 percent. and you know i everyone's been sending me articles that my old restaurant jobs cafe sal marie in chicago that it's shuttering not shuttering but it's closing its doors after 40 years yeah um so obviously i'm still friends with james our friend who we worked together at sal marie um i'm still friends with with a co- uh, old coworker named Levy, and I'm like, man, we're like three people short of maybe being able to have a restaurant reunion on the show here, which we threatened to do a bad dog reunion. Totally. Um, but we could maybe get a Cafe Sal Marie reunion going. James said he's going to try and hustle back to Chicago to eat there one last time before it closes at the end of the Are year. You really? Seriously? Yeah. Aww, Isn't that that's cute? Great. That's adorable. That's really nice. That's great. I but- wonder... God, if if mean, anyone's yeah. curious, the friendship stand. Okay, I worked there at two in 2003 and 2004. Okay, so that's 20 years ago for me too. That I'm still friends with former coworkers at restaurants. So I the bond is it. real. So good. Um, another thing that I did do in Omaha. Now I'm gonna shout out that there's this <laughs> amazing liquor store in that started in Lincoln, and now there's one in Omaha, and they t- they take over old Toys R Us's. Because Toys R Us is like gone. And mm-hmm. so it's a whole it's a whole liquor warehouse okay. that they have. And there's these two liquor shops and they're huge and everything is there to the point where you're just I mean, there's like a whole bourbon section. You'd be super impressed. It's crazy how the abundance of mm-hmm. booze they have there. Um, but they absolutely had because I couldn't find it here. I could not find the Ego Appalachian Sipping Cream, which we talk, talked about a few episodes back. Um, it's going to keep... in a jar. It's going to keep coming up. Don't worry. We're brunch not... in a jar, guys. I saw it. I was just walking through and I was like, it, there's no way I can't. I can't not just buy this right Can, now. What is the price point on it? Uh, I didn't... <laughs> honestly, I didn't even look because I was like, whatever, whatever it costs. I think, honestly... It was like fifteen dollars, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. Not no. bad at all. Um, you know, and it's uh it definitely comes in a mason jar. Uh it definitely like I opened it up, I didn't even hear like a pop. I didn't I think I just like I was like, I don't think it needs to be sealed, I guess, because of, you know, the forty proof that it carries with it. Got it. Um tasted it, did a little did a little taste test with it right away. Um Holy shit, is it strong? Um, it's, I mean, it's moon Appalachian sipping Appalachian cream. It's, it's cream, moon. It's creamy, creamy moonshine. Um, 
So, tr- you know, got everybody else uh, in my family around to take do a little sip of it. Everybody was real hesitant, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they would be. Hey, well, uh, do, you, do you think they'll try my hard gravy once I make it? Mm, hard gravy. Um, that makes me horny when you say something <laughs> like that, though, actually. Uh so not bad, but then I was like, you know what? I'll just give it to my sister-in-law for her birthday, you know, because those two will like my brother and my sister-in-law will happily have at it. And, you know, we went out for brunch uh, on Sunday for her birthday and ended up drinking uh, most a little bit of a day drinking. And toward the end of it, we were back at their place and I was like, let's mix fireball with Ego apple edge and the thipping cream and shoot it. And, it. and it wasn't bad, actually, at all. It kind of cut. You need well, you need um, you need cream base for Fireball because that, that's how they used to make um, uh, what like the what the what kind of oatmeal raisin cookie shots or whatever. Oh, yeah, you yeah know? The oatmeal raisin cookies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever slippery nipple-y type, you know, which is more of a butterscotch with a Bailey's, like all that. But I was like, we're kind of onto something. I mean, this is how this is. I get to their level, and toward the end, I'm doing fireball shots and drinking hard seltzers. Like, what am what's a girl to do? You know what I mean? When in That's, Omaha. When in Omaha. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah. So it was a nice trip. It was it was great. Um, I think we, we, def- we definitely got a few more followers with me getting flirted with because apparently, according to my husband, I'm an Omaha 11. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, that's right, girl. Thanks for thanks for getting our. Well, I, OK, so to, to segue into the we are if you have or have not noticed, we are really trying to make a run at having social media presence. This we're, we're ready to play the game. We're yeah. We realize we have so much great content. Thanks to you guys. Thanks to stuff that just gets inspired by riffing on the show. And we're like, it's all too fun and funny to not play the game and start making some reels and TikToks. We can't just make it a secret club anymore, Brooke. We I know. have to get out there. We do have to get out there. So we are on TikTok. Um. We have like 25 friends. It's not going great. Uh, but I feel like, but feel free. To, like we're still posting over there. We would love some more TikTok friends and to follow you if you're on TikTok. Um, but I feel like we're doing so much better and growing our profile and our presence on Reels and Instagram. Andrea, for us, a little nobody doesn't try hard enough little podcast. You got 50,000 views. Hey. What is it? You know, one day we're going to be like, oh, 50,000 views. I don't know. It's a weird game, but it's fun. It's a weird. Like I went to bed and then I woke up and I was like, whoa, <laughs> it it just starts snowballing is the thing. And, and you know, for us, like we get excited if we get like 150 likes. So, of course, mm-hmm. it does feel awesome to be like, cool, we've got things to say that matter to a wider audience than the little one we've been, like we said, keeping secret. Um, yes. So the anyways, best little audience. The best in the little world, audience. The, the OG, the originals. You guys are family. But uh yeah, we're ready to get big enough that people start um trolling us and being mean. So we're ready. We're ready for it. Cause that, that I I think I'm ready. Uh I'm ready. <laughs> I'm um, ready. Nice. Well, we're not going to do any headlines today because we have a really fun and long episode uh, with our first guest back after the break. Um, his name's Dan Adute. We love him. He's been a longtime comedy friend of mine. He's a foodie. He just wrote a book about his relationship with food and being a restaurateur and being a part owner in restaurants. He fucking hosted Raid the Fridge on Food Network. So he was also a Food Network um show host like he's and he's on Cobra Kai which everyone fucking loves so that that was really exciting we felt like doing a little more than 25 minutes with Dan so we've got a long episode coming up after this so let's just jump into some server submitted stories stories First one out of the gates. Um, I like these two. They're all like real nice and sweet. So, hey, ladies, glad you're back at it. Been a fan of the pod since day one. Thank y'all. Just listen to your episode on smoking in restaurants and have boots on the ground info for you from West Virginia. I moved to Southern West Virginia, real deal back country Appalachia. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, I know. Speaking of sipping cream, <laughs> sipping cream country about two years ago uh, from Northern California. Oh my God, that's another T-shirt idea. Sipping cream country. <laughs> Hard gravy, sipping cream country. Okay, I'm writing it down. All right. So I'm glad to report that in the many, many restaurants I visited all over the southern part of the state, I have never seen anyone smoking inside. 
Some places like bars have had signs up banning smoking, but it's been a non-issue everywhere I've been. Thank God. Everyone thought my husband and I, both born and raised California folk, were nuts to move to West Virginia, but it has surprised me in many ways. The state is moving from resource extracting industries to tourism. There are many neat towns with wonderful restaurants, outdoor recreation activities, and niche food festivals. The Pawpaw Festival, anyone? I don't, I know of pawpaw like ointment. I think it's made from a really weird fruit. Anyways, highly recommend visiting this gorgeous state and finding the hidden gems, especially the New River Gorge National Park. And that's from Izzy. I've heard of this park. Let's put it on a side work world tour list. Uh, I've been to West Virginia and it is spectacular. We used to go and visit there. Uh, we would rent a couple times. We rented houses in the Appalachians, uh, the Shenandoah Valley, if you will. Am I cool. doing if, if that's wrong? Um, correct me, please, Izzy, if I'm 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 getting my facts incorrect. But um, for Thanksgiving with Brian's family. Oh, and it's okay. Just gorgeous. Just a lovely, lovely, beautiful state. And yeah. Great. You know, I think that we have learned and thank you for, for for schooling us. You know what? What we read sometimes is just like what the actual state rules are. And we don't sometimes we need to break down county to city as well when it comes to some of these rules. You know, right. I offended some states who were like, fuck that. We don't smoke here. And I was just like, well, you could. It's just that every district and it, it's so, yeah, to not specify right. the fact that it's like your state has not come down on you, but individual counties and cities can make choices that work for them. So yeah, right. most Absolutely. people have gotten on board anyways anyways all right okay next a story um hey guys listening to the most recent podcast and can confirm this summer has been way less busy than previous i work in chicago in a few different neighborhoods and have had friends that work in others i have spent it feels like the whole summer reassuring my coworkers that it's not just our spot but everywhere that is slow Everyone's been in a panic about it and thinks spots are going out of business. Uh, I keep reassuring them that no, it's literally everywhere. What with the shit weather and wildfire smoke? Uh, That's from Luke M. from Chicago. Yeah, there's been crazy smoke um, in Chicago. I mean, all over the Midwest because of wildfires in Canada. And it has really put a damper on that outdoor seating, especially in the last part of summer. Yeah, just everything blowing down because, you know, I was just like, well, of course, like lower um basically like the southern southeast region especially in michigan too it's like my family and everyone in the detroit area was getting nailed from fires coming down from canada so then you got the lake effect that'll blow that all over to chicago and um just in general everyone's feeling it the inflation's real rent keeps going up all the industries now are like fuck it let's strike and um you know and I will say, not that we're doing headlines today, but I keep seeing more and more restaurant workers from Waffle House and across the globe just fully striking, walking walking out. out. out Yeah, One Fair Wage just posted a video today that like in Atlanta, they were like, bye. Like, yeah. You you try and do this without us, okay? Have some AI make you waffles anyways. um, (laughs) But it's, uh, there's something in the air, baby. America's... uh, really really at I think more of a tipping point than I think we've ever even talked about in the past where we were like we're at a tipping point and now three years later I'm like we are definitely at a tipping point oh yeah I mean like we should have like a little side you know show called the tipping tipping point point. which it already is exists I think but like you like the tipping point we're talking about which you guys get that's the Malcolm Gladwell book and we're not you know self-aggrandizing like he is so anyways (laughs) Uh, but we feel you. We hope we hope that any, everything can ramp up for, you know, sweater weather coming up and the yeah. holidays and that we can finish 2023 strong. But I know this doesn't make anyone feel better. This has been my worst year of my career period. And this is after a pandemic. So it's real, everybody. It's very real. And um, just hang in there. Be creative. I'm going to start doing foot stuff online. So anyways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right. Let's move on on to our final story. Yes. Okay. One last story. I love this so much. Short and sweet. Hey, Brooke and Andrea, just finished listening to the newest substitution-related episode. Weirdest order I've received in the last few years from the bar side of the world. A lady wanted a deconstructed gray, Gray Goose vodka and soda. She wanted separate glasses for each. A glass for vodka. A glass for ice, a glass for soda, and a glass to hold her citrus. Four glasses in total for her small two-top table that already had four other glasses and multiple plates all over it. Then, of course, she proceeded to ask to move to a larger table. Thankfully, we were at capacity with zero open tables, and she had to live with her own decisions. (laughs) And that's from Roger. Wow. It's you're like you want to go up and be like, have you ever heard of a buffet? You might really like that. Yeah. Also, just be like, can I get a gray goose on the rocks with a side of soda water, and then just like put the citrus on the side? There's other ways to oh, ice on the side. Everything. This is fucking nuts. This is I think it's OCD stuff. I don't. It is for sure OCD stuff. And I'm not dogging OCD like it runs in my family. My boyfriend has it. Um, you know. But he is not for cups, separate items, not touching each other. While, right. You know, OCD presents differently in every person. It sure um, does. And like we said, we're not judging it, but it's also like keep it out of the restaurant for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> well, those were some real sweet, quick server submitted stories. You guys, you know where to send them. Sign them to, you know, sideworkpod at gmail.com if you got some some chestnuts, some inspiration, something you've been sitting on. You know what to do, right, Brooke? Yep, sideworkpod at gmail.com. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, guys. And now we present our interview with Deanna Dude. Guys, we are so excited to have our guest today. We've been trying to get him on for a minute and it's come together. Um, Andrea and I would like to welcome to Sidework Podcast host, restaurateur, which is a hard word to say, author, author actor, all the things. Welcome, Dana Dute, everybody. Hooray! Thank you. Amazing. Uh, I don't realize what I actually just learned last year that the word is not restaurant er no it's restaurateur 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 which mm-hmm. no it should have the word restaurant in it i know listen there's a lot about this service industry that is just mind-boggling and doesn't make a lot of sense um that That's being sure. said uh let's let's kick it off with talking about your own podcast uh green eggs and dan the mm. podcast um mm-hmm. I went back and I was like, damn, you have been going hard since 2019. I have been going hard in the paint. Um, I feel like uh, it's probably my favorite thing that I do. And, you know, that doesn't make me a lot of money. <laughs> but hey, I just for love. The love. Yeah, I do it for the love. Um, I love doing it. And I feel like everyone it's, a, you know, it, for, for people who don't know, it's an interview show. And I interview mm-hmm. anyone, uh, you know, actors, writers, 
we just had our first porn star. I know. Um, nice. Uh, Lexi Luna, and uh, obviously our most downloaded episode ever. <laughs> Clearly, I, I was like Andrea. We're we're sleeping on uh, porn stars who worked, you know, in restaurants. So, oh my god, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like if we have that, it'll be all pop ups if we download that as that episode. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's just me. Um, but the funny thing about that episode is that I started getting like press for that episode from like weird mm. online publications like flesh mag like huh. yeah F- fleshlight um, mag they have their fleshlight own mag. <laughs> so uh but yeah i interview uh anyone and it's all based on uh a picture of the inside of their fridge yes and then we just get into an interview about their a conversation about their relationship to food because everyone has a relationship to food even if their relationship to food is i don't have a relationship to food Totally. See, and cover porn all your stars got to eat too, apparently. So, porn we stars all got to eat. eat. Yeah. Well, I, definitely got to eat. They definitely have to eat. It takes a lot of energy to you know, do that line of work. And, uh, well, we wanted to have you on the podcast specifically because you're kind of the other side of what you explore with food. You're kind of the more traditional, um, you know, where society loves to hear from chefs and celebrities and restaurant owners. And we represent the the little guys, the little fellas, you mm. know, the people who do the job, um, a.k.a. wait tables, bus, bartend. Oh, have you had a bartender on yet? Uh, no, I, I haven't had a bartender. I've had someone who has like some sort of cocktail podcast. Nice. <laughs> so there was that. <laughs> I think yeah. he's, just like, he's just a drunkard who has a, a microphone in his house. <laughs> like I just make cocktails all day by, and by myself. His name is Eric Andre. Yeah. Um, we love Eric. He was wandering through Whole Foods so hungover. Um, with my boyfriend and I were like afraid to say hello just because even though I know Eric, I was like, I was like, he's he's not well. Right now. Oh, gee. <laughs> yeah. I um, love him. But yeah, but I, I think what's fun is to have you on our podcast because we usually have a kind of strict rule of like you have to have served. You know, um, to be on the podcast, uh, done a little time in the shit. And we know that you have not. And that is okay. (laughs) That's so I've been very worried about getting on this podcast because I think this might be a gotcha interview. (laughs) I have a feeling. No way. I have a feeling it's a gotcha because I've definitely gone hard in the paint on some aspects of restaurant service. Yes, you have. As Brooke is aware. (laughs) And I'm just now realizing I'm in the lion's den. Yeah. And I'm about to get tore up. So let's just get right into it. Uh, yeah, let's, let's. Well, no, I was going to say you have some opinions about servers. Um, how about give us a top three right now? <laughs> oh my God. Ah, this um, is great. Okay. So I have a couple strong opinions. I think the main one that you're going to probably take umbrage with is that I feel like servers get a special pass for when they're they're not being good at their jobs or if they are uh, sour or if they're having, you know, they always get the benefit of the doubt of they must be having a bad day. And that's the only person in the world that we give that benefit to. Comedians who are doing a bad set, you're never like, oh, he must have just had a really awful day. If your bank teller is being, you know, uh, snippy, you're never like, oh, you know, I should, I'll just come back to Citibank tomorrow. I'll, I'll tip, I'll, I'm, you know, I'm gonna tip my bank teller 30% because <laughs> she's probably just having a bad day. Yes, I tip my bank teller. So I just feel like the automatic, the automatic reaction to getting bad service is extreme empathy and maybe it's that that should be with every other profession too or maybe it's that just like everyone else who puts on a face brooke i'm sure you've done stand-up shows when you didn't want to do stand-up shows and you had awful things happen to you that day but you put on a face and the show must go on i feel like the show must go on uh uh is is not really i mean the show goes on when a server is having a bad day, but it doesn't go on as gracefully as I think other people uh, let it go on. Okay, give it to me. I, I just, I think, I think it goes like the opposite way. First of all, I think like as a server, like you're dealing with like it's a public facing job and everybody's interacting with each, with each other. And I think the customer having a shitty day really That's affects that how things go too. They are yeah. at the top um, of the food chain in this scenario always. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm I come from a place where like I leave my baggage at the door, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes like maybe you're not having a good day, but I'm I just like push through it. I like feel like I'll always be there for you, like doing the best I can. I always think that it's also like if the chef is having a bad day, the servers are the whole restaurant's having a fucking bad day, too. Right. Like it if like it just starts from the top and trickles down, too. But I don't know. I feel like I don't. I feel like maybe there's like a free pass because you're just going to get up and leave and like never see that person again, probably in your life if you don't want to go back. You know what I mean? Like maybe that. And I think maybe we're taught as customers to be more empathetic because like the, the job is like you have to hustle. I don't know. This is loaded. There's a lot. This we is can, loaded. Can, yeah. Because I, I would say it's such a um, he said, she said it's the it's the dog and cat fight where it's like man, customers will just leave you no money because they're in a mood and write something like, I hate your face, like where the tip should be. And the punching down that happens on servers, um, I would say there's also an expectation, which is hard to be a mind reader with certain customers. Um, They're either mad at you that you checked in too much or they expected more from you. And you're like, and then they were fine through the whole service and you didn't know that they were... Uh, like they had were making a voodoo doll of you uh, in their purse at that moment and then like leave no tip. But it definitely goes both way, both ways. And I think as service industry people, we have more empathy for other servers where we're going, oh, man, I've been there. I was saying like they literally have to like punch my mom in the face <laughs> for me to not at least leave 15 percent tip totally you know absolutely and i get mad the thing is as a server i'm because we just had an episode about burnout and you know when you've gotten the server or the bartender who is so burned out from their job and they have brought their shit fucking stank attitude and they have just decided i'm i'm gonna see how mean i can be and still get tipped where i i've been waited on by those people and those people suck yeah i mean look one of my my probably my favorite restaurant in LA that I go to most often the service is abysmal and it's like almost part of the thing and I'm like totally and it makes it makes you mad to go yeah and I'm they're nice to me because I'm friends with the owner right that's not an excuse and it's like I've even told the owner I'm like dude I send I'll send people to your restaurant and then they're like the food was great but why is everyone like in an awful awful mood all the time (laughs) And I don't know. I mean, it's um, it's an interesting. I have a culture. Yeah, I have a solution to the. Am I getting overserved or underserved? uh, Dilemma because it is a dance, and it is tough to know what the what the person wants if they want. You know, it's it's almost like double dutch, like to know like when to jump in and when not to, and it is hard to mind read like that. That's why I am always a fan of what I call the Korean button. The Korean oh, button. Oh, sure. The Korean button <laughs> is the best thing ever invented. It is in every Korean barbecue place. There's mm-hmm. a button on the table, and you press it it's when you crazy. want someone to come. It's a little doorbell for service. It's a it, service bell. They leave you. It, I think it's a win-win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we brought this great. into a we brought this into a buca de beppo uh, as a long-running joke, and we had it out on the table for a video. And I hit this, and I was like, "Oh my god, put it away!" I hope no one really <laughs> thought that was serious. That <laughs> oh my god, amazing! Nobody heard it, but well, I, I that place is a cavern. Um, so I, yeah, I do love a Korean like ding da, the bell, the table bell. I think is great because um, it's true. It's like minimal service. It's almost like a. You know, it's almost like a European feel of like dining, too. You're just kind of like where you have to be like, if you need something, tell me. But don't be like, you know, don't expect people to be mind readers. Right. Yeah. I think that's one thing. When you talk about this this restaurant that you go to in L.A. that like everybody has like the same shit attitude. That's Mm -hmm. hive mind, baby. Like that's just accepted behavior across the board. Mm -hmm. Like that's just what they've all come to like think that their job's about, which is dumb in my opinion, um, because there's also bad servers out there. I'm not going to lie. Like LA, I, I, LA I defend loves the service a industry server. a mm. lot, but there are people who should not be doing the job, you know? Yes, I agree. Um, I would, by the way, I, I want to also preface with, I can't remember the last time I left less than a 20% tip. Of course. Right. I mean, I don't, even <laughs> if I get awful service, I don't, I don't know that I would ever go under like let's call it 17 15% like i can't right. ima- i don't know when the last time is that i was so angry 
Right. And I mean, it must have been something awful that happened, but I can't, I don't know. I It, it never, that's never really, it's well, never I appreciate, quite happened. I appreciate your opinion that you're like, you're like, this was a bitter 20% tip that I left yeah. because, you know, here I am giving them benefit of the doubt and this is the system we've created and I don't want to be that asshole who doesn't tip. But you get into your headspace where you're like, oh, we just like spent so much money and to appropriately tip for the service that the check reflects you're like god i can't believe they just got to pocket like 30 dollars from me for being a shit you know a little a little fucking shit to me and that I, you know by the way but you do, I will say, you do it. i'm probably i'm probably gonna lose you guys here though i'm probably gonna lose you guys oh here. okay okay <laughs> if i take. go to if i go to a restaurant and i have to stand in a line and then i have to get to the person and i have to give them my order and then i have to wait and i have to take my food and i have to bring my food to the table and then i have to bust my stuff and then when you flip your little ipad over and it gives me the suggested tip of do i want to give 20 22 or 25 (laughs) percent go Fuck yourself. Fuck yourself. No, we are called tip exhaustion. (laughs) Tip exhaustion. Tip exhaustion. We've hit a burnout phase with that too. And like for us as servers, you're like, we're, we at least know on that side, um, especially because they really par down. Usually it's like one person working register, one person running food, one person making drinks. I think all of those folks are, um, they're usually salaried in that yeah. situation. And so any tip you give is additional money toward them. And I kind of look at it the way I would throw a few bucks for getting a drink. I do not like to wait in the line, not get served. Mm-hmm. Um, and do all the work myself and go full, you know, just t- so. And that's a really confusing. We've talked about the annoyance of these kind of restaurants. And that used to freak me out, too, where you're like, it's the inverse of the dining experience where you're waiting on the front end. But then you can just get up and go, which was right. really weird versus like we're waiting for the check. We're waiting for the check. But you'd been served, probably sat and got everything done quickly but yeah that's that's those are strange scenarios and we argue all the time over like what is tip worthy and and what is not and how the service model has changed and most of it changes to specifically hurt and cheap out on servers right because it's a streamlined way to like save money ultimately when people are coming and doing counter service so did you Um, hear this cafe birdie in highland park just up and canned their entire staff with no warning. They were given, these are like veterans who stayed with them since they opened and um, were like, hey everyone, you get like two days off because we're going to do a little, um, we're just going to do a little renovating and then sent everyone a cryptic email saying your position no longer exists and we've decided to move the restaurant into like a new flow of service. Meaning I think they're probably going to do counter service um, mm. something like that, but to just to make more money and to keep more money in their own pockets, they canned nine like veteran restaurant workers who had stayed with them through the whole pandemic. And this is what restaurants are doing. They're like, Hey, what's the new model where we can put more money in our pockets and like not have servers. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. so unfortunate because, okay. So I think, I think we spent a lot of times or I've spent a lot of times, uh, bashing bad service, but now I think would be a good time to, uh, commend good service which of course you know the way that i liken it is like you know how you have those comedians who have like really amazing stage presence and fine jokes um (laughs) but you still love them like you know i think that that's the same the service is the stage presence the food can't you can't usually speak on its own it needs to have that stage presence for the joke to actually work right Mm -hmm. so um i think that it's on it's the unfortunate part of the uberification and postmatification where we're just like well i just want to eat my food and i don't really care about you know what the, the dance around it or the you know the uh what do you want to call it i mean the, 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 like going to a restaurant to me it's, is like going to a, sh- a play yeah it's, it's a like show a it's a social beautiful, yeah it's yeah. a beautiful it's fun a social thing. contract like, yeah. you know everybody wants to have a good time i mean yes some people walk in and they're like they're like I think some people are just like destined to have a shitty time every time they go out. And that's they need to dig deep into themselves to figure out why that is. But like, um, you know, for the most part, it's like if I'm going to go out and spend my money and have fun and I'm huge on this. I love going to new restaurants. I'm like, I'm the fucking girl where people are like, what's the hot new restaurant? I'm like, have you heard of this place in this place? Like, I love it. It's a whole scene for me. And I want to be dined. I want to be wowed. I want to have a great time. You know? Yeah. 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 I mean, I've. 
It's funny. I've I've lately I've gone to a couple restaurants that are like just like almost kitschy service. And I think it's so <laughs> much fun. Like, like, you know, I'm I'm down with a lot of people shit on Salt Bay and I get it. <laughs> but but the thing that I love is like bringing fanfare to restaurants, like the Benihana-ization of restaurants. Oh, you absolutely. Know, it's fun. And it's like also you see it in upscale settings now, too, like at the restaurant La Dolce Vita in L.A. It's like you feel like you're at in Sinatra's, you know, like you, you feel like you just walked into like a Sinatra party and, you know, the servers are all wearing the white tuxedo and it's kind of, yeah. you know, or Teresi yeah. in New York or Carbone or those restaurants, like all those that like go over the top with service. It's like so much fun. Um, well, and, and it, especially if you work and have like a good um you know, work ethic from top down where you make every person who works in the restaurant feel valued. It, it's like you want to reflect that you like your job and you like the place you work at. And it's like because, you know, Dan has, uh, you know, seen our pitch for front of house versus back of house or like in mm -hmm. the weeds. And we're talking about like as a customer, you walk in and then if you're feeling the good vibe, it can be really like contagious. And maybe that person who's determined to have a bad time for, for the first time ever doesn't because everyone is kind of like, come on, get in the spirit of it or whatever. And but you can just tell that when people really like their serving job um, and when people are being treated fairly, make good money and have like coworkers who respect them that like that's the dream come true. Yeah. Well, Deanna, did you know that theme restaurants are on the rise again? Really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like really fun happening. ones. And I think it's because like we all need more escapism. Right. So I think from whether you're a customer or like getting a job at a place like a theme tiki bar or, you know, I, there's a Karen's restaurant chain that opened up in Australia, you know, like um, I think it's like I think it's a form of escapism on both ends, like as an employee, as a customer, you know, like maybe it is a thing where when I talked about dropping your baggage at the door, if I get to like put on a fucking like fun uniform that everybody else is wearing and like have a raucous time with like customers for a four hour dinner shift like come on and then everybody wins that's how i, I, feel about I it. just kind of had a light bulb go off too we're like i've never had a job where i got to kind of like check out and leave brooke at the door and like inhabiting a character would be so much easier to maybe not take it all personally to be like well whoever this person is who's wearing this tuxedo and you know has all this like extra garb on like she doesn't care she's here to have a good time <clears throat> And I think it's almost like to me that I'm like, wow, that's like having some extra armor or like people who do comedy who just do characters and hide behind the character. I'm like, that probably would have been way more fun. And I wouldn't oh, have yeah. taken everything so yeah. personally. I mean, look, I talk about it. We all know I worked at Buca de Beppo. Everybody fucking knows that. He's been listening to this restaurant forever. But like back in the day when they first opened and menus were on the wall and everything was huge, it was like you'd go to a circus to eat for dinner. You know what I mean? Right. Like people expected a certain thing. So and I got to be like a, a participant in that. So that's why I thought that place was so fun. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like you need to have zero cynicism to do that, which is tough to do when you're a server because you're dealing with a lot of shit, right? Oh, I think yeah. I think the most cynical people stay in their dive bars and would never go near, you know, um, they're not going to be flipping eggs and throwing shrimp into your face. You don't want a server with burnout, you know, manning a grill and throwing things. People are going to get hurt. Yeah. There's a new uh, there's a new there's a new tempanyaki place that's opening up in downtown L.A. that's got like a. It's got like a French influence to it. It looks absolutely beautiful. It's in a hotel. Like I can't wait to go. I'm like, okay, bring, bring on. Maybe we can wow. like uplifted like a tempanyaki fusion. Let's see what happens. You know? Hell yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That sounds very fun. I mean, <laughs> we should. It's all funny because if you think of if you think about like most Japanese cuisine is like you feel like you're in a theme restaurant, like you're being performed for, right? Like, yes, uh, the, they can make the ramen in the back. They can make the sushi in the back and bring it out. They could do the yakitori and the grill in the back. But no, they always want it front and center. They want mm -hmm. you to see what's going on. It's a fun show. You're seeing the the, the big cauldrons of of the ramen. You're seeing the bintochan coals and the smoke. And you're seeing the sushi being made in front of you. And it's like, it, it adds so much fun to the experience. It's crackling with personality, you know? That's right. I'm comparing Japanese restaurants <laughs> to, uh, to what's it called? Uh, what's the uh, medieval, oh, to medieval times? To medieval yeah. times. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. I get the same feels for sure.
I've never been to medieval times, by the way, and that's like a huge chink in my armor. Like I really, I've also using, a, using uh, an armor. Yes, thing. for yeah. sure. I also I have never been. <laughs> I really want to so, go. I love a turkey leg. <laughs> I mean, there's one in Anaheim. We should go next. You know, it's really Very keto friendly. Town. Really keto friendly. Okay, so I have a question <laughs> to pose to you, Dan. Um, if you had to choose a type of restaurant where you would be a surfer at, where mm. do you see yourself being able to flourish? or tolerate wow that job that's a great question um, well, yeah because we talked about for people who are considering getting into the service industry that it's okay to have your list of absolutely nots you know it like it's completely fine to just have your to know your boundaries of where you will and won't work right 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 um okay i think i'd be great at like an annoying hipster wine bar <laughs> and i'll tell you why I'll tell you why, okay? <laughs> I feel like I have a very good knowledge of wines, and I also feel like I am very non-pretentious when it comes to wine. And cool. I feel like most of those places that you go to, there are people with mediocre knowledge of wine who are such dicks about it, <laughs> and they're like, they make people feel really, like, like they make them feel like idiots for asking very normal questions. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think I would take, I would take the pretension out of, out of the wine, I'd have a fun time. I'd create a fun, convivial mood. Love um, that. You know, that's I've I definitely always have I, to know how to work a panini maker. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, work your fucking panini maker and pour your orange wines from Georgia, and you know, make up some bullshit about the clay pots they were in, and you're done. And you're and, good. You're and done. maybe it's the kind of place you're like, we just give you like an extra half to one ounce pour for that $25, you know, glass that you just, we just, we give you a little extra. Yeah. Yeah. I would be the guy. Yeah, exactly. When it gets to the end and it's just sediment and you're like, you know what? I'll just give you the rest. And they think yeah, they're doing you, you a favor. You can have the floaters. <laughs> like, cool. You're thanks. welcome. I feel you're like, welcome. Yes, I feel like I actually like having a wine bar is my dream is my dream. Nice. Job. I would love when a it, wine bar. <clears throat> Because I think it's more of um, having a little bit more of that Napa Valley attitude, like Northern California, where everyone's like, whatever, it's wine. Yeah. You want to come in and taste yeah. it? I'm day drunk, always. You know, <laughs> wearing a cowboy hat, like, come on in. Yeah. I think you it's know? like beauty and simplicity, too. I mean, obviously, complexity with speaking of wine, but it's just like the simple act of just like just having wine, a few bites, you know, like. Mm. I don't know, maybe 20 seats tops, you know, that sounds fantastic to me. Yeah. That is another vibe where you're like, this is what I want tonight. I don't want the whole show where a wine bar with small bites is that perfect happy medium where you don't have to drop a ton of money, even though it can kind of sneak up depending on how much wine you have. But you're like, this is so hands off and relaxing, but like everything's good. And it's again, yeah. just that's when it's okay to kind of like lift your finger and get it you know try and get the attention of the of the bartender you know just oh, a little hey you know pet peeve on the getting attention of the bar bartender if i may when oh, yeah tell me if i'm wrong tell me if i'm wrong here i'm going back into the lion's den but if i say um let's say the bartender is turned away like let's say 45 degrees to the side and i say oh um excuse me can i get another glass please and they don't say anything and then i have to and then it's again i say oh i'm sorry excuse me can i get and they, yeah i heard you okay i just want like a little bit of a nod just give me a head nod give me the yeah. the, the a thumbs a yep. thumb it's all a, it takes you know just like a i'm know, with you blow yeah. your and nose if they, something and if you do yeah, if you do have to say it the second time, they should just be like, absolutely, I heard you the first time. Thanks for reminding me or something, you know? <laughs> that sounded yeah. like that that sounded like that had an attitude behind it, Andrea. <laughs> absolutely. I heard yeah, you literally thank, I heard 10 you. seconds Thanks for ago. reminding me. Thanks. Thanks I don't need a reminder. Thanks, Thanks Mom. Dan. Thanks, Thanks for telling Dan. me again. <laughs> should I go to my room? Uh, oh, my God. Um, yeah, but I'm with you, Brooke. Like, we need to bring a little more of the buttery Chardonnay attitude. <laughs> like, yes. give mom, give mama her buttery shard. We need that right. fun, that fun we attitude. That like the like the wine express, like like it's wine o'clock, like the dumb signs, like the expressions. God, like, I want to make I that. Love that. <laughs> we need that attitude more with like the natural wines or like whatever you want to call the non-interventionalist wine movement. 
Well, we yeah, could you should be- just call it Kendall Jackson Wine Cellar is what you should call it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go on record. I don't like natural wines. I don't like the funk. Um, I don't like kombucha. I don't, so I'm having I'm having a moment where I'm like, I'm guarantee I'm not going to like this fucking wine and it's going to give me an allergic reaction. It's um, too so happy. I, I agree with you. I think 90% of natural wine is complete garbage and it's being mm. s- emperor's new clothes to all yeah. of us. Yeah. Um, and it's bullshit. And I think that there's so many great wines there that are, the, the problem is it's all or nothing now. It's like either everything is kombucha or everything is like old school chemical shit wine. <clears throat> right. And I think there needs to be the happy medium in the middle. Like there's a lot of great traditional winemakers who make wine naturally that they don't fucking have the cool little label on the front of someone doing spray paint of Che Guevara. <laughs> like, um, I, I don't know. I just feel like <laughs> like there's there's a happy medium. I got to have a fight with Eric Andre on my podcast about nice. this. He was nice. like, you just don't get it. I was like, fuck face. I do get it. Like it's and, I, and it's it all okay. tastes like kombucha. Right, right. And it's okay because like you you might also like hard seltzers. And guess who doesn't like a hard seltzer? This girl. Like I it's no, it's a palette and there is a war between palettes right now. It is a civil war of palettes that's happening in the wine industry because I feel pushed out and put upon. Yeah. You know. I mean, that's um, the sad thing is that every good new restaurant is probably gonna have a very natural wine forward wine list and i think that it's wrong i don't think that that's the way it should be um, offer one or a, two have one way, orange not, have an orange okay th- fine this is not just an american thing this is in fucking paris at like the mm-hmm. best restaurants are all like little natural wine natty wine hubs and uh i don't know i think the pendulum is going to land somewhere in the middle with eventually um but uh yeah that's that's my crusade also the fact that another crusade the fact that you can in any dive bar in America, you can find the best beers that are made in the world. You'll have, mm-hmm. you know, micro brews that are fucking cool that are made in some, you know, cool little town in Maine that are amazing. You will have the best top. You can find the best top chef liquor, shelf, shelf liquor, even in a dive bar. They'll have it. You might have, you'll have to pay extra for it, but it'll be there. You can never get just a halfway decent glass of wine yeah. in a dive bar. Yeah, I think some dive bars are doing better, like newer ones, and they 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 pick and they choose, and they have like an exclusive, like a really nice red or really nice white, whether they call it house or do a rotation. I have been noticing that, but I do think that it is like I don't know, maybe it's just like this is this place isn't for you. Maybe you should go someplace else. I don't know. Like I I agree. I think there needs to be better right. choice. But they'll say that, and then they'll also have like blue label on their fucking dive bar, like if you want, yeah, like yeah, sure. we don't. We don't do that fucking wine bullshit, but can I interest you in a goes beer from Austria, from the Highlands? Yeah, sure. I'm like, be like, for some reason wow. you have like Frangelico back there, you know? Like. <laughs> so we also wanted to talk to you. We know uh, that Raid the Fridge is kind of hanging in the balance. Season two, what's going on? It's canceled. But I know it, it was it was a pretty fun show. It was on the Food Network. Now it's on. It lives. It lives in infamy on Discovery Plus. Mm-hmm. So thankfully, uh, Zaslov is still making money off of it. <laughs> Bad dick. I mean, I love the concept of Raid the Fridge, and that like you know you have like chefs that go in and they get like a mystery fridge, like someone else's fridge, and they have to work with the ingredients to make like however many courses, right? Is I know. Yeah, yeah. That's basically it. It was it was like a bootleg Iron Chef, which was very fun. Well, I love a quick fire challenge, like for me personally at home. So that premise is super appealing. I'm the kind of person that like I look in my fridge all the time and I'm like, what kind of incredible meal can I, you know, make at any given time? So I'm a I'm a big fan of this. Yeah. Idea. I mean, yeah. look, what I learned from that experience was as long as you put cut up chives and sesame seeds on top of anything, it's going to look fantastic. <laughs> Some sort of drizzled. <laughs> Some sort of grizzled uh, crema. Yeah, I know. Uh, just okay. chiffonade something. and that's, that's <laughs> Anything. That's, you could so. chiffonade the paper that's around a straw and put it on top. <laughs> and it'll look great. Ooh, appealing to the mm. eye. That's Very amazing. nice. Very nice. Yeah. Um, I, I have to say, it, well, it seems like you were interviewing everyone in your podcast about what's in their fridge. And did you take that platform to spin it into 
what if we made chefs compete? Because you saw some pretty weird refrigerators over the last four years. You've seen some yeah. dark, dark and mysterious, sad places inside some people's, you know, home refrigerators. I've seen some awful fridges, guys. I don't want to. I'd rather not talk about it on this podcast. Okay. I'm still doing ayahuasca to try to get over it. Um, purge. You got to purge that demon. Yep. Take the trauma, mother. <laughs> Uh, but no, funny enough, it wasn't my idea. It was their idea. And they were looking for a host. And one of the Food Network execs like is a fan of my podcast. And he's like, wait, there's this guy who does fridges. So it just kind of worked out. That's I wish incredible. I could say it was my idea from the, from the top. But uh, actually, you know They're what? Like, uh, get let's, fridge guy. Get fridge guy to come in and do it. You know what? Let's edit out the last 15 seconds. Yeah, yeah. it was my idea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when Dana Dude has an idea, he... Never lets it go until he sees it on TV. That's right. Until Zaslov yeah. takes all my money. I'm not happy. <laughs> hey, you know, it's just the Zaz being the Zaz. <laughs> was there like a super crazy ingredient on the show that you you know that was like a real like oh this really threw me for a loop as a as a as a chef as a professional? I mean, I feel like we definitely jumped the shark on like episode two of like ideas <laughs> <laughs> to do like. There was like a mystery fridges in the last round where like you didn't know what you had no idea. Like like one fridge was like wrapped in aluminum foil and then one was like wrapped in plastic wrap and you had no idea what it meant. And then you open the fridge and it's like all the ingredients are either wrapped in aluminum foil or wrapped in plastic wrap in the other one. You're like, what does an agoraphobic have in their fridge? Like... <laughs> You're all like, are we positive this isn't like fucking like fucking Jeffrey Dahmer's fridge? Why is everything? Yeah, it looked like Dexter's fridge. And now these poor chefs who like went to culinary school are like like frantically just trying to cut like open open, and ceramic. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if this is this is the best use of our chefs, but here we go. (laughs) Here we are. Uh, uh, Is it so like what for you? I mean, because I think since obviously we're very food centric and service industry. I feel like, you know, just kind of like crossing that bridge to being like, oh my God, I'm doing something with the food network has to feel like, like an aha, like you ticked off a big, you know, yes, box a hundred percent, um, a hundred million percent because, you know, we were all fans of the food network growing up and it's mm-hmm. like always been a dream to be on the food network. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, just being a part of that ecosystem was it was just such a flex to be able to say I host a show on the Food Network. Absolutely. And then people were like, really, where can I see it? And I'm like, well, it's like, technically Ooh. it's canceled now, but it's on <laughs> Discovery Plus. Um, oh, but yeah. I mean, very, very fun, even though like, I don't know, I don't really watch the Food Network. It's like the Food Network started I don't anymore. The- it started the it's it's kind of like SNL. It's like no one's really watching SNL anymore. But like if it wasn't for SNL, you wouldn't have a lot of amazing, you know, yeah. sketch shows and yeah. whatnot. You wouldn't have um, Billy Madison. Duh. You wouldn't have <laughs> Billy Madison. I mean, so it's like, you know, you wouldn't have I think you can leave. You think you wouldn't have a lot mm-hmm. of these great sketch shows that, you know, but they started the mold. So I feel like the same way about the Food Network. It's like, yes, I I think maybe the baton has been, you know, passed on to like the Netflixes, you know, the mm-hmm. cake and um, that stuff. But I, I, but I also feel like the Food Network has changed. Like I loved just the straight cooking show where someone's teaching mm-hmm. you how to cook. But I get that that doesn't get the numbers of like you know, welcome back Got- to Kitchen Genocide, Death Battle Royale. Oh so no, totally. Like- I feel like the Food Network's gone like how MTV's gone. You know what I mean? Right, it's just, right. it's, yeah, for sure. Um, talk to talk to us about your restaurant that you are involved in. Co owner, do you have a yeah have a percentage um, in it? I have a I have a percentage stake. Um, yeah, it's called Estella. It's in New York City, and um, it was just it was honestly it was like um, I had a couple of friends who were starting this little tiny restaurant and they needed a little bit of money and a bunch of us got together and it ended up becoming this like breakaway hit of a restaurant because like the Obamas went went and ate there. Nice. And then it got on like Sam Pellegrino's like 50 best of the world, which is insane. And it's like a tiny little restaurant, like on the second floor of like a random block in Manhattan. Um, Yeah. Is it is it um, Soho area or is it Lower East Side? Where 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 or West Village? It's like on Houston between Mulberry and Mott. So it's like Nolita-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. um, But yeah, it's uh, 
Everyone loves everyone. Everyone loves Estella. It's a, it's a great restaurant. It's very expensive. Just get ready if you're going there. It's perfect. <laughs> you know, every time I have like someone taking me out, like a work, someone taking me out for lunch or dinner, that's like an industry, like an agent or some shit. I'm like, let's go to Estella. <laughs> um, so it's really good. It's like, you know, it's a parent restaurant. Take your parents, have them pay for you and yeah. you'll love it. Yeah. I, so nice. what what do you think of the servers there? Um, I have, you know, look, I have a little bit of the, uh, the, there's the, the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. I don't know if you're aware with this, of with this principle, but if you're being observed, you're going to, you're going to change the way you are. Right. And so I right. feel like they know that I'm a partner. So I, I don't think I have an right. objective, you know, view of what the service is actually like. Um, but it seems pretty, pretty good. It seems like it could be way more pretentious than it actually is, which I Yeah, like. I was looking at the menu. But I'm, I'm looking also- at the menu right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah. I said to Andrea, I was like, I might pack it up in L.A., move to New York and see if I can get a serving job there. Because I bet you make bank. Those are oh going to be some tall tabs. Yeah. Oh, those dishes are tiny. The ones that you're looking at, by the way. So you like, got to oh, eat yeah. a bunch it's of them. It's all meant to share. Yeah. Tiny $20 tiny. cocktails. I was like, girl. That's that's gonna be some nice tips going home at the end of the night. I yeah, mean, and they do the, the old. Uh, they do the old. Have you dined with us before? Okay, well here's what we recommend: uh, each person for appetizer, five to nine dishes; uh, for entree, thirteen to seventeen uh, dishes; <laughs> and for your dessert, you're probably gonna want, depending on how hungry you are, somewhere between seventy-five and hundred twenty-four dishes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we have any allergies tonight? Because we cannot accommodate a one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not a single. We one. just. We would just like to shame you publicly, though. So who has Aww. an allergy? <laughs> I don't know. The Wagyu steak with tagliatello and cabbage looks great. I think cabbage is a very underutilized uh, vegetable, and I'm I'm very happy that it's becoming much more worked with and roasted, and that's just me. <laughs> I mean, look, I will say this. It's the closest you're going to get to the new wave Parisian bistro food that's happening now. I think nice. Estella is the closest you'll get. So just just think about you saving money on that transatlantic flight yeah. and putting it in putting it into the uh putting it into Perfect. the ricotta dump, ricotta dumplings. <laughs> Very cool. Amazing. I mean, gosh, you should you should really be like a man of the people one day and like one time when you go you're like I'm going to pick up I'm going to stage here. I'm that cool owner, you know, who just jumps I on know. the line. Yeah, you like, could do the make the rounds. And- how is every, how's your meal? How's everything going tonight? Are you having a nice time? Kiss some babies, oh, you know, I? if they're who allowed in your yeah. restaurant, you know. <laughs> Hell no. Um, that's so funny. Yeah, I, I it's I, I am actually uh, um, I'm, I'm going to be a part of a new restaurant in L.A. that is from that fucking owner that has my favorite restaurant that I hate the service at. And I told him that absolutely I need to be uh, a part of the service hiring uh, <laughs> that happens because nice. he's not good at doing that. <laughs> I like, I can see the montage now. <laughs> of oh my the God, I know, process. right? <laughs> the antics. <laughs> It'll be kind of like chorus line, you know? <laughs> right. I love this. Um, One other thing I wanted to just compliment about your podcast is I like, so Andrea and I do something like this too, where you've got your history bites, where you go deep on either the origin of a food. And um, we have a little, we have little supplementary episodes called add-ons, which we go deep on like, you know, what is, like, where did the wine key come from? And- Oh, fun. Yeah, you do all these really fun deep dives. And uh, I think that's so fun. Maybe we could do like a fun, nerdy collab. I mean, I get really nerdy about history and food and service and restaurants, all that stuff. Yeah, I'm obsessed with food history. Uh, There's so many little nuggets of stuff that no one knows about. Like everyone knows about world history, but food history, no one knows anything. And it's something that we eat, you know, three, four times a day <laughs> and no one knows about where it comes from. I mean, there are such fun ones like um, I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think of a, a great one. That's like that's like a, a quick one. Like but like, yeah, like the word, you know, Roman Roman soldiers used to be paid. Part of their salary was in salt. Um, and oh, that was in salt. Yeah. yeah, words are weight in salt came wow. from that. And also, so did the word salary, which starts with S-A-L, ah. because salt 
was part of their payment. I know, mind blown. Like little things like I that. I love shit like this. I <laughs> love it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm such a history, like a food history nerd. It's like my favorite favorite thing. So well, I love that you guys are you guys are nodding to that. Where did the wine yeah. the wine key come from? So Andrew, I mean, it was a corkscrew. Mm-hmm. It was always a corkscrew, right? And then the man who invented the one with the hinge. Yeah, it in was general, just the worm always. The yeah. worm, and then and so then he added the hinge so you could get more leverage. Well, his last name was Weinke. So everyone thought it was called, they were mispronouncing his last name and started calling it a wine key. And it's just a weird coincidence that his last name was Weinke. And no then everyone got it way. wrong. And so yeah. now we call it a wine like key. He just called it like the bartender's friend or the server's friend. And, you know, that's what he had claimed it to be. But yeah. Hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it. funny. That reminds me of a, this is a fun Persian food history uh, thing. So the word for popcorn in Farsi is chosefil, which literally means elephant's fart. Which is a very weird thing. You're like, why the fuck is it called elephant's fart? And the reason is because the only popcorn they were getting in Iran in like the early 20th century was from this British company called Chesterfield. And Persians can't pronounce Chesterfield, so they say Chosefil. And Chosefil means elephant's fart. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So funny. Wow. Chosefil. That's Um, funny. (laughs) Good pronunciation. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. I, 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 I hang out with your kind. Um, <clears throat> anyways, uh, Dan, thank you so, so much. I want to do more nerding out soon. Yeah, yeah. please. Oh, well, you I know, think... I'll hit you up with some more ideas, man. I mean, I just got a new fridge and I would show it off anytime. I'm just going to Andrea is a great guest. <laughs> Andrea is a food <laughs> fucking nerd. Ooh. I'd like to see, uh, send me a picture of the fridge. We'll vet it. We, okay. we have a very rigorous uh, vetting process <laughs> of fridges. Uh, I just realized the other day, like, it's always like when I clean my fridge out, I, the, the question is, like, how many jars of cornichons are in my fridge? <laughs> like, I feel like it's something that you just overbuy. Last when I cleaned out the fridge last time, there were three jars Oops. that I had to marry together. And that was just yeah. since, like, Christmas of last. And I was like, well, this bitch loves a little, she likes a tart little cornichon, you know? But I mean, so does this bitch. I think yeah. who doesn't? Who, who doesn't, doesn't? Indeed. Who doesn't? Mustard, um, I feel so like, great is talking. the mo- I, I feel, hold on, before, hold on. Yeah, that's a must point to me. Yep. Before you tell me how great it was talking to me. <laughs> I before we like drop the check. Mu- before we drop the check, mustard seems to be the most like, oh, I, I don't, I didn't know that I had any, so I'm going to buy more that I've seen in previous. Oh, Everyone yeah, has have, like four mustards. We have like six different kinds of mustard for sure. My, and definitely like 10 different kinds of hot sauce. Um, my my boyfriend does not have good mustard recall. I, I think that's what we're going to phrase this. Uh, bad mustard recall, you know. So he just keeps buying mustard and more <laughs> mustard. And there's a real fear that we might run out because he's, he's that guy. I got the other day, we had like a French's spicy brown, but then I bought some Goldens. And my husband was like, we have brown mustard. I'm like, yeah, yeah but we, don't, we don't have Goldens. Like, <laughs> it's a different Amazing. feel. It's a different feel for sure. And it's a different mouth I will feel. say, yeah, the reason why like we're so into food too, the gateway was serving. The gateway right. was working at restaurants, you know? Yeah. So like that's a good positive. I think something we can all agree on that it's a gateway and a road down to like loving food. And if you want to keep it in, you know, your your rotation for the rest of your life. But I think it you learn to appreciate like food and, you know, where it comes from when you're in the service industry. At least I would yeah. hope so. <laughs> 100%. And it's funny, like people like, like the three of us who I imagine spend an outsized amount of our income on food. Like whenever I get dinged for it by buddies of mine or, or relatives of mine, I'm just, I'm always like, you know, I go back to that thing of like people saying that experiences are more valuable than, than, you know, material things. Right. Mm -hmm. And like we were saying before, like there's, there's something about the, the experience of going to a restaurant, uh, the way that we do it, where we really treat it like this is going to be a fun night out. And I think you can't get that without great service. And so, you know, like to me, it's money well spent. It's like my therapy. It's uh, it keeps me buoyant. My happiness buoyant. I ah, like shoes. So anyway, 
<laughs> um, hey, guys, you can also check out Dan's book that just dropped, Undercooked, How I Let Food Become My Life Navigator and How Maybe That's a Dumb Way to Live. <laughs> right. After after saying, like, I restaurants are my therapy. And then, yeah. Yep. Sorry. That was uh, your uh, that was your got got moment there. See, we were <clears throat> you got yourself, dude. But um, yeah. Yeah. Guys, check out Dan Adute. He's on the TVs. He's on the airwaves. He's right. <laughs> I'm on the Instagram. On, on um, the grams. At Stand Up Dan on, on the Instagram, on Twitter, on X, on threads. Yeah, he's <laughs> no. on the Cobra Kai for all the kids listening out and listening out there. You know, I'm like, on the Cobra yeah. Kai. Yeah, for the mm-hmm. kids. Um, I play a noosh on Cobra Kai. But yeah, um, thank you for having me. This is so much fun. So and, much fun. Uh, yeah, I, uh, it's nice to, it's, it's, it's very, it's very nice to, to come into the lion's den and leave <laughs> slightly bruised, but better for it. Better for it. That's, that's uh, all we try and do with this podcast is, is leave people more informed and to think harder about dining. Yes. Next <laughs> experiment will be us all dining out together and see how that goes down. I, love I need a job. I, I need a fucking job if I'm going to go out to eat with you too. So <laughs> we're going to medieval times. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It'll, it'll be fine. <laughs> Awesome. Perfect. Uh, Andrew, you know what we say at the end of each episode? Godspeed. Oh, and good tips. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.